Isaiah 53, he took our place. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. We are healed. A story was told of a young man. Um, he didn't mind if his story was told, obviously, but didn't want his name out there. So he's referred to as Aaron. So we have Aaron who was in college and he was looking to pay his tuition and he, he wanted a summer job. And he was a Christian and and he asked the Lord if it's all right, could he have some kind of job in Christian ministry? Kind of like camp we're going to in about a week. There are counselors out there and they, they work for the camp and they're Christians. And he wanted something like that. Whether it was a church staff job of any sort on any level, he would take it. Or if he could work for a Christian organization. That was his prayer to the Lord. And he, he prayed and he looked and he prayed and he looked and... Nothing happened. And he got to looking at his financial situation and he needed a job like Looked through the one ads and he found one job that seemed to fit that was something he could do and he uh, it was driving a bus in the south side of Chicago. So he applied for the job and he got it. It was more dangerous a job than he thought. It was the roughest area. That's kind of how that usually works. You get initiated into the roughest area if you're w working a job like that. And, and so he rode with a driver the first couple of days and he was trained. And then he was on his own. He was a young man and uh, out there on his own. And, and a gang of guys were observing what was going on. They, they saw two people there, and then they just saw this young man by his, himself, and I guess they thought they'd introduce him to the area and what it's like. So these kids get on the bus, and they don't pay. He warns them that they need to pay. They walk by with smart comments to the bus driver, to everyone else on the bus, and they just ride the bus. This goes on day after day, as he warns them that they need to pay uh, when they get on. They don't do it. So one day they all get on the bus, and Aaron notices a police officer at the next block. He pulls that bus over and gets out, talks to the police officer. He gets on the bus and says, look, you either need to pay or get off the bus. They paid, and they went back and sat down. The police officer left, but the last thing Aaron remembered, or the next thing he remembered, was laying there make sure nothing was serious, nothing was real serious. They said, go home and take a few days off. He laid there in bed, and he looked at the ceiling, and he thought about how he had prayed to the Lord that he might have a job in ministry of some sort. 
And then he thought about what he ended up with. And he was confused. He was angry. And he thought about it for a couple of days. And then he went down and filed charges on those young men with the police officer's help and witnesses on the bus. And they took them to jail. They, there was a hearing a few days later. They all met in court. Aaron has been angry the whole time. But as soon as those young men walked in the door, the influence of the Holy Spirit just gave him an overwhelming compassion for this gang of kids. And when it came time for their plea, and they, they, they said guilty, right then Aaron stood up to the surprise of his attorney and everyone else and said, Your Honor, may I speak? And he said, Yes, you may. He said, Whatever the sentence is for every one of them individually, I want to serve their sentence for them. His attorney's jaw dropped. The other one did. The judge was speechless. The, the gang members' eyes looked like saucers as they looked at Aaron. And Aaron looked back at them and he said, It's because I forgive you. The judge had never experienced anything like that. Silent for a while, but when he finally got over the shock, he said, Young man, you're out of order. Nothing like this has ever happened, and it's not going to happen here today. And Aaron said, oh yes it has. Some 2,000 years ago, a man lived in Galilee, and, and he paid the penalty for the sins of the entire world. The whole courtroom went silent at that time, except for Aaron's voice, as he had the liberty to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone in that courtroom. It ended up that Aaron did not get to pay for their sentence. He didn't get to do the time for these men. But he did go to the jail every day and he continued to tell them how Jesus Christ substituted in their place by dying on the cross for their sins and they could trust Him and have eternal life. And most of those gang members were saved. Well, he did not get to substitute for the sentence for those young men. But Jesus did substitute for every single one of us. That's a good word, substitute. Substitution. You do not find that word in the Bible, but it's a very good definition for the gospel. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to look at four things in these two verses that we have read, and we're going to see the substitution that Jesus Christ made as, as we share, He took our place. So as we look at verse 4, let's see that He surely did it. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word surely is a loud, firm, solid amen is what that is. It is, it is agreeing that it's absolutely true. 
You know, in thinking about substitution, in thinking about Isaiah writing to Israel, Israel could understand the innocent animal who was presented and sacrificed for the guilty sinner. And so now here we have Isaiah who is prophesying to them of the innocent Savior who is dying and sacrificing himself for all of our sins, for guilty sinners. Jesus bore all of our sins. Jesus said, uh, Peter said that he bare our sins in his own body. wasn't hindered. He wasn't stopped. He bore all of our sins until he could say it is finished on the cross. And the revelation, the prophecy, Isaiah was able to give them before it was ever manifested in the flesh was surely he hath borne our sorrow hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, the meaning of that word carried has the idea of substitution in it. We surely know that it was our sin that Jesus paid for on that cross. It was without a doubt sin that was ours, but wrath was poured out upon the Lord in our place. What a beautiful thing that happened. Yet, he is despised and rejected. That's what we saw in the last verse last week. The people turned their heads. They weren't interested. They didn't care. They chose not to believe it. He is rejected. He is despised by the world. It reminds me of the terrible tragic, awful story of a man who was the controller of the Great Railroad Drawbridge in Mississippi in 1937. It was kind of a job he did by himself, you know. He, he raised the bridge and the barges and the boats would go through. He would put down the bridge and the train could go by. One day he took his eight-year-old son to work with him. And he left the control room and he went down on the deck and he and his son had lunch together. And he was really enjoying his time with his son. And all of a sudden he heard a train whistle. And he looked at his watch. And for the first time ever, he was, he, he was not on time. That train was coming. He ran up from the deck, got in that control tower, went to grab that lever. And he saw that his son was stuck in the gears. He had slipped off that deck and he was stuck in the gears. He had done this over and over. He knew the timing of everything there. And he closed his eyes, and he just grit his teeth. And this, this Memphis Express was coming by with 400 passengers on it. And he hit that lever, and the bridge came down, and the train went over at the cost of his son that day. And he's crying and he's yelling to himself in that control tower. And, and in his pitying that he's going through, he looks in the window of that train as it's going by. And men are reading their newspapers. Ladies are sipping on coffee. And he just yells out, 
I sacrificed my son for you and you don't even care. In the minds of the Jews, the death of Jesus had no value and no significance whatsoever. They said he deserved what was happening to him. There's something that we miss in this chapter as we're overwhelmed with with it being such an evangelistic gospel chapter. But yet here in the end of verse 4, it says, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This portion of scripture just gets lost in the midst of this chapter for some people sometimes. And, and there's some who do, they do not realize what's being said here. And what's being said here is that they're considering Jesus as if he were a leper. As if he were dying for his own sins. Jesus did nothing not one thing in offense of God that he would have to pay for. The thief on the cross knew that very thing. Jesus didn't deserve punishment for one single word or one single act that came from his life, that came out of his mouth. Even the thief on the cross, he said it this way, This man hath done nothing amiss. Jesus did not die for anything that he treatment that came upon him, the trial and the cruel every trial that took place, it was dirty. our sins to the cross the Jews didn't he didn't fit what was in their mind and what they wanted in a messiah they wanted a majestic messiah they had something different they picked that takes place today i was blown away by He's the Messiah. I was floored when I heard that. It's blasphemous. Why did the Jews take this up? This thought. It wasn't led of the Lord. It wasn't led of God. It was because they hated Jesus. And they looked at his death as though he deserved it. That he was not Lord, but a liar. And he corrupted an entire nation. He didn't fit their mold. He didn't fit the image that they had in their limited thinking. So they considered the infinite one as an imposter of the Messiah. There are people who think that today. There are, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I have heard a sincere belief from someone that Jesus had to have sinned if that's what he said to the Father. 
People still believe that today. People believe he suffered for himself, but he suffered for us. Look at verse 5 with me. But, I, I, I like that three-letter word right there. It, it, it rebukes a lot. And, and, and it's, a, it's a change in thought as we go. But, he was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. They thought... a sinner but him he died for all of us we notice something in these two verses in some pronouns we see he has Was, that was taught and preached 700 years before Christ came to fulfill it. We are diseased with sin and unfit for the kingdom of Jesus came to this earth. He came to this earth because of us. His feet. Psalms 22.16 said says, they pierced my hands and my feet. Luke 24, 39, Jesus told his disciples, behold my hands and my feet. And then he showed them his hands and his feet. His side was pierced with a spear. John 19, 34 says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out water and blood. Jesus was wounded he was pierced for you and I. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Don't think of the word bruised as you might think of it today. You, you might see a bruise on my wife's arm every now and then. Don't think that I'm some physical violent beast. I can walk by her and look at her arm and almost call it a bruise. See, we, we, we think of a bruise as a completely different word from what was used then. This word bruised, it means that he was crushed by the heavy load of sin and he was broken to pieces 
for us. For our iniquity. The word speaks of suffering to the greatest degree when it says that Jesus was bruised. Sin is heavy. Our sins are heavy. Think about the sins of the world best you can coming upon the Lord Jesus Christ. What a heavy burden. And the weight of it all. The weight of all of our sin came upon Jesus and and it crushed Him. Everyone's punishment was given to Jesus. He stepped in our place as our substitution as He tasted death for every man. He took the sting of death upon Himself. He surely suffered for us. You might think, "You, you sure are making that clear. I, th- I think about a doctrine and a, and a thought in this day and time by many that do not realize He was pure and He was perfect. And if Jesus had sin, we have no hope. Jesus wouldn't have been raised from the dead if He would have had sin. Our Our hope and our salvation is provided by the sinless Son of God. But what really is this supply that we have? Look at the end of verse 5. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him... And with His stripes, we are healed. Jesus had a healing ministry upon this earth. You you can't deny it. It's recorded in the Scriptures for the last three and a half years of His life in the earthly ministry that He had. He had compassion on the multitude. He fed the multitude. He healed. He healed of diseases. He healed those who were in need who had suffered the consequences of sin, whether it be their own sin or whether it be just the sin of this fallen world. He had mercy and compassion and He provided healing. He he still does heal today. I believe it. When, When someone is in the hospital... And I want one too. Sometimes we get one, sometimes we don't. But I know our Lord will even use a man that's not His for our healing and our help. And, and He uses medicine and He does things in this way today. Some people claim an absolute right that we can definitely be healed of every illness upon this earth while we're here. I don't, I don't mean to be smart with this comment, but people have said this, and they wear eyeglasses and hearing aids when they say it. it I could have left that out, but it's just a thought. If, if you're not healed of your physical illness upon this earth, some say, they say, you didn't have enough faith. 
Granddaddy used to say, they say is the biggest liars I ever talked to. This verse has been used to claim and, and to believe in an absolute, definite physical healing that can happen for God's people upon this earth while they're here. Chapter 11 just takes the bottom card out of that and makes it all fall down. Because what you find at the end of Hebrews, Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of the faith, when you get to the end of that chapter, it talks about those who were stoned, those who were sawn asunder, those who did not receive the promise, those who died having a good report through faith. There was nothing wrong with their faith, but God had something different and something better in mind for them. That we are sin-sick souls. And it's also true that all healing comes by way of the cross. But as we look at the context here, as we look at the prophecy of what Isaiah is talking about here, we understand that Jesus did not die to heal our physical ailments and diseases upon this earth. He died for our sins so that we would not go to hell, so that we could have a home in heaven with Him for eternity. He didn't die for our physical illnesses to end upon this earth. He died because of our spiritual illness. He died because the penalty of sin is death. He substituted and He took our place so that we can be healed for eternity in heaven with Him. I believe in divine healing. I believe we're all going to be physically healed when we leave this earth, when we go to be with Him forever. Sometimes He'll heal some things here, but that's not what this is talking about. He died for our sins, not our diseases, on this earth to be healed anyway. This balm in Gilead is for sinners, for guilty sinners in a condemned condition. Christ's atonement was for the forgiveness of sins, not the healing of the body upon this earth. The good news of the gospel, it's for spiritual healing. It's for, it's for being cleansed of all of our sins. There, there's no stipulation, there's no fine print of there being some side note of a promise of healing upon this earth. It's not there. It's not in the Hebrew. But there is a promise for peace. Beginning of verse 5, end of verse 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
and with his stripes we are healed. The only way that a lawbreaker can be at peace is suffering the punishment that the law demands. look at his 600 plus other laws just look at his 10 commandments and we will see clearly that we have broken God's law and the only peace is that the justice be carried out and we have not done so but that's the substitution that comes in Jesus Christ paid our fine for us breaking God. We could have peace with God. Jesus made peace with God possible, and there's no other way. Everyone. Through the blood of His cross. Romans. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I would, I would love to be healed of illness. I, I others to be healed of illness as if I were praying for, for myself or for my own family or for my own church family when I know about it and hear about it. But I'll take peace if I had to choose. There, there are things that, that may happen in this life and there are things that may not happen for us in this life that God may have in store. But He does have peace for the one who is in hostility By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are some blessings that I hope we get here, but there's absolutely one for heaven, and that is peace with God and Him becoming our Father through His Son, through His precious Son. I hope we don't miss this, what we have here tonight. I hope that we don't miss the truth. That Jesus Christ, He bore our sins on the tree. That disease of sin, that, that terminal illness for eternity, that's what He heals us from. That's what He took upon Himself. And I hope that there's no one here who has missed that tonight. But if you are here, and or you're listening, and you are not healed of your sin. You don't know that when you stand before God that Jesus
everything about you, about yourself, about any good works, about any good deed, about any ordinance that you would obey, that any... trusted him and for children of God I don't know what the Lord might be placing on your heart tonight or, or what's going on in your life but but you understand Isaiah surely told us something before it ever came to pass it has come to pass the Old Testament saints they believed on the Messiah who was to come they believed the prophecy they believed the word of God we believe in Jesus Christ who did come the miracle was born he lived this perfect life and he died in substitution for you and I what a good trade that we can trade our sin for his perfect righteousness that that's how you're accepted you're accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ who washes your sins away would you trust him tonight would you know him as your Lord and Savior if if you don't I, I don't know what the uncertainty could be in someone's life I, I've never doubted I was saved since the moment I was saved that's not saying anything at all good about me because God's no respecter of persons but he offers a sure salvation and I pray you do business with God tonight as he moves and convicts your heart, let us bow to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we, we're humbled before your word and your presence tonight. Lord, the power of your gospel that rung out from Isaiah so long before you ever manifested yourself upon this earth. We thank you. that gave to our hearts the chastisement of our